Namaste. So as always, Shurvindo brings hope, not just hope, but tremendous hope. Uh, not just hope, but certitude. And the certitude is based on the single truth that this world is a manifestation of the divine, progressive manifestation of the divine. The divine is hidden within it and he is expressing himself progressively. And uh, this is the real basis for hope. And therefore, sooner or later, this world starts getting modified as the divine emerges more and more. In the individual, as this unfolding takes place, life changes, circumstances change, situations change. Sometimes it turns topsy-turvy at the national level, at the global level. It is this emergence which changes things. So we think that it is by external uh, events and circumstances, but they are themselves uh, part of the result of this working which goes on inside. So this is what Shurabindo brings and that's what we saw in the first part of the synthesis. Basically that all life is a subconscious yoga of nature and uh, by yoga here it is meant that the divine hidden inside creation is heaving, leaping, rising to meet the divine who is beyond in the supreme transcendence. So, but in the process, because it's not like returning back to the original status. Original status, yes, but through a manifestation and which means through a progressive modification of matter. This is what is happening. So, when we look at life from that angle, we see this whole worldwide universe is nothing else, material universe, but a progressive extension of the divine himself. He has become space, he becomes time, he becomes all these objects. As very beautifully it is said in Savitri, the objects are his letterings. He has written letters through the objects in space. Uh, this wide universe, material universe. And the next step of the divine Shakti in a recovery from the inconscient is this world of life. Teeming with countless possibilities. Beings, forces, energies, um, animals, birds, beasts. And eventually the third step is uh, this, um, the divine Shakti takes the third step with human consciousness, emergence of human consciousness, emergence of mind, when we begin to become more and more self-conscious, these are seeking for higher and greater things. And now the time has come for the fourth step of the Shakti and that fourth step is the emergence of the supramental being. Now this is inevitable in the logic of creation. It's going to be, um, if we look at evolution, it's evident because the power that has raised us to man will not stop here. Man is very half-finished product. And if you look at it from the other angle, that if divine is hidden in creation, as all Indian Sanatan thought affirms, then it is evident that sooner or later, the divine will manifest himself through newer and higher forms. So uh, this rush towards buying a ticket to Nirvana is evidently a fallacy, both of human reason as well as spiritual reason. It's, uh, the mother has said it's a misguided mysticism. Uh, no problem with those who want to escape. But Shubhindo's yoga is not an escape from life, but a transformation of life. Now comes this aspect where he speaks about the uh, individual yoga, when it becomes conscious. So initially, this subconscious yoga has created, pulled up till man. But in man, it seeks for a conscious collaboration of man. That's all. If man doesn't collaborate, still it is bound to be. Because it's there in the logic of things. It's the original blueprint. But if man collaborates, the process will go much faster. It will be much smoother. 
So ultimately, whether we seek a solution to our individual problems or of the world problems, the solution lies in consecrating ourselves to the divine more and more so that we can participate and collaborate in this process. So in this um, collaborative process, there are few things. As we know, Shravinder has completely revolutionized the whole way we approach yoga. He has made it so vast, so Catholic, uh, almost literally without any boundaries. Uh, sometimes frighteningly so because people look for a fixed method and he won't give us a fixed method though he says you can use all methods so you know <laughs> so um, this first chapter in the first is the yoga of divine works now why divine works because works are the royal entry into the courtyards of God uh, if we eliminate works if we just take the path of bhakti from inside if we take the path of jnana we eliminate actually in unwittingly the world existence because it's through karma there is a constant outpouring of energy which is building creating maintaining destroying all this that one energy is doing so it's uh, collaborating in the with the divine work entry through the divine work is the most royal road and shubhendra goes on to say that if you don't take part in the works for the divine and use work as a means of ascension to the divine, then you miss out on something most fundamental to this yoga. So this is the background of the yoga of divine works. But before that, he speaks about the aids. What are the aids which help us in the sadhana? Uh, often people ask a question, what is the starting point? Where do I begin? Well, wait till we get a call. <laughs> so this is the... <laughs> you can't begin yoga by reading a book of yoga. So, Shubhinder speaks of it in the next chapter, self-consecration and several places. So, what really is called for the yoga? Or rather, let's put it, there is a preparation for the yoga and a call for the yoga. Call for the yoga means that there is this certitude, this central faith in the spiritual conversion. So, that becomes our core goal. There is no doubt or ambiguity about it. That is the call for the yoga. Uh, meaning thereby that we feel that whatever this world may be with all its wonderful things and all its fascinating events, our personal life may be very good, accomplished. But yet, there is something which is missing which only can be fulfilled by going beyond into that limitless. So the moment that it comes that there is a, a greater truth to know, a greater world to discover, a greater um, consciousness or greater being to be, to become, so then the yoga begins. It can come in hundred ways. But before that, there is a preparation and the preparation includes reading of books. Preparation includes uh, contact with uh, people who are walking the path. Preparation includes uh, some kind of contact by coming, going, uh, getting a picture, putting along, uh, looking at that till a day comes when we say this is the thing to be done. So it is a change of goal. Call means one, one is that goal is... Uh, worldly joy, worldly happiness but divine is there in our life that is the way religions approach the divine, which is okay nothing wrong with it, it can be a first um, step and call is when we say no um, the goal itself has shifted, so the goal is the divine and this world and all the activities must become a feeder to move towards that so if that happens then we are initiated into the path in this yoga, there is no outer initiation, very clearly. Uh, but there are certain signs. One is the call for yoga is a very clear sign of initiation. The other is to know that the mother is divine. This, this, these are words of the mother. 
that uh, nobody explains, nobody says anything. But suddenly there is something happens in the heart and it recognizes the mother as divine. She says, when I say that uh, someone is initiated, it means that I have revealed myself to him. How this revelation comes, why it happens to some, uh, it doesn't follow a logical order. It's not like uh, the very good people, the very moral people, the very saintly people, people who are practicing intense meditation will get the call or the revelation. It may not be. So this fitness or unfitness is decided on a completely different basis. So this is the first part. Then comes the question of the four eights. So here we have these four eights. Shubhindu describes them very beautifully about the Yoga Siddhi, which uh, comes if there are four great instruments that can work together. Even if there is one instrument working, even if there is one aid, it is good. But if all of them are working together, it's something very beautiful. So this, these four aids come from Sanat Sujate, which is uh, where he, he writes in one of his essays on yoga and its objects, what is you know, revealed there. I'll just read it quickly because there it, it's a kind of summary. Okay. Uh, this is not from the synthesis, but it kind of summarizes. It is said in the Sanat Sujate that four things are necessary for Siddhi, Shastra, Utsaha, Guru and Kal. So this is the sequence he follows. So again, each one he elaborates in great length. Um, the teaching of the path, zeal in following it, the Guru and time. Now here it comes in a very direct, simple way. Yet Shubhinda is as if speaking in a very, very personal mode. He says, your path is that which I am pointing out. <laughs> as simple as that. But later if we read in the synthesis, he says, speaks about the Shastra. So here he, in synthesis, he widens it to any extent that the real Shastra is of course inside. Meaning thereby the original script, the original journey, the path, everything is inside us like a blueprint. And it has to be discovered. But uh, usually this discovery takes place some kind of a mantra or some kind of a word which will suddenly open the doors inside. And this too will spring from inside. In this yoga, there is no person who from outside gives an initiation, though it may happen that sometimes a word spoken by someone becomes an initiating point or the mantra springs from inside. Where of people in whom the mantra has sprung up, which is not in one of the standard writings of Shurabindu and yet it is just the appropriate mantra. Now the mantra can be something which Shurabindu has written, let's say in Savitri, a line from Savitri, something from synthesis or just a little you know, Sanskrit uh, phrase or simply uh, O Lord or simply Ma, anything. It depends on the readiness of the inner person. At the same time, one can pick up a mantra from outside. So it could be a word with which one goes very naturally, uh, inwardly. It suits one's temperament. It, it Something clicks and locks. So this is the agency of the word. Now here Shubhindu says in the synthesis that you can uh, use any of the words from the past scriptures also. So let's say Isha Upanishad. Shubhindu's own experience where he was meditating on these two verses of the Isha Upanishad, which led to the flooding of gates of experiences and realization. It was in Alipur jail. It's a, it was about the one divine who is in all beings. So this, uh, when one receives, picks it up from one of the works of the past, books of the past, and by past we are not going to include Shirobinda and the mother. 
and there is a reason for it. Past means a, a process which has already been worked out. The present and future means something which is being worked out. Being worked out. So we can pick up something from the Ishopanishad or the Gita. And then what one does is one meditates upon the mantra. Reflects upon the mantra. And then a time comes when the door opens by the power of the mantra. And the truths contained in the mantra begin to reveal themselves. So this is about the Shastra. But then there are two kinds of Shastra. Shavindos makes it very clear. One is which describes the principles the truths that are uh, behind the whole journey. So the synthesis of yoga is one such shastra. And then there is another in which there are methods which are described. So but when Sri speaks about methods, he says the sadhak of the integral yoga will not bind himself to any one method. Because uh, the moment we fix a method for everyone and for all times to come, then we have actually stopped progressing. I often give this uh, example that these methods need not be in any of the canonical literature. Uh, for example, nowhere you will find in the methods described in Bhakti Yoga that you should hear the bhajans of Mohan Bhai. I'm, I'm <laughs> of course, it is described as Shravan. Now, you know, hearing the God's name. So, it helps chanting of God's name. You hear it. We have this Vishnu Sahasranam, Aditya Sahasranam, Lalita Sahasranam. All people have also written 108 names of uh, Shurabindo. So all this is there. But it need not be. You just hear this Sunilda's music and it suddenly uplifts us. So it could be any... If one goes into the standard format, one will make a great mistake. And these methods also evolve and change. So there is a time when you feel very uplifted. It could be a classical... Music which, uh, you know, suddenly stirs in you a deep emotion. But a time comes when all this will change and evolve and grow. So there is no one method for everyone and for even for the person for all times. So he speaks about that. And further he says that however great and catholic may be the scripture, in this yoga at least, because in this yoga the entire life, the entire um, journey, every event, every circumstance, every movement has to be transformed. So no scripture can contain everything possible about the journey. Each journey is unique. So scriptures are like signposts. So signposts, we take it like that, that if I go to Nanital, on the way, we will have Kaladungi where we can stop, I mean by road, where we can stop and take a nice tea. Now, what will happen on the way to Kaladungi? This is this is a real real time event, you know. Sadhana takes place in 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 that format. Long back when there were buses which took us to Nainital, Taradi, Delhi Ashram. Now they have stopped it, and for good reason. So we took a bus. I remember once, and I dozed off. It must be ten ten thirty, and it was around um, two o'clock or two thirty that. Uh, suddenly, you know, we get an impression that bus is still stopped. You know, where it was, uh, it had stopped, it was in Muradabad. It just gone a little distance and it stopped. The whole thing was a traffic jam. Now, what happens during that process? No book will tell us that. But certain qualities, patience, perseverance. There were people who started cursing and, you know, Are, why we are here? We could have taken a train. Now you have not taken a train. The fact is you are in the bus Make the most of it. You can't now, you know, lament about it. So, the journey has its own twists and turns and unpredictable events. Yet, there are some major signposts. The major signposts are we have to reach this place. 
and so you have to keep heading towards that by whatever means so this is what the shastra will tell us no shastra will tell us all the details of the journey because it is a unique journey of each individual and each individual has a unique past and a unique future and a unique present all this has to be taken into account by the divine shakti which is working so this is about the shastra then shubhendra speaks about the teaching of the path this is the shastra zeal in following it and he says that the ideal sadhak is he in whom the intensity of aspiration says the zeal for my lord has eaten me up that is one thing if if at all we should learn from the mahamdans and i am saying this with all responsibility because you know shubhendra has mentioned about it the zealot of the mahamdan you see whatever it be uh, you go anywhere and suddenly when there is time i am not saying that you should put a <laughs> <laughs> on the road and start doing namaz but when there is a time they sit quietly and i mean for us remember the divine uh, that is the goal that is the journey that we have chosen so that kind of zeal at where it's important to understand that the most important thing in my life is the divine that is something which one has to learn however ill conceived it is it is ill conceived um, the journey is not understood but there is one element which is very beautiful which we need to pick up that well uh, the divine is the most important in my life all the rest can come comes later this is the zeal but it normally doesn't happen like that so shivinder says there are three stages in this process Uh, first stage is when you we make an effort now this effort is necessarily by default will not be the uh, you know the ultimate effort needed and many people get uh, into confusion should i do this should i not do this it's not about that the fact that there is an effort is what is what counts because the divine knows himself in the heart of the seeker and that's why shubhendra says that even an imperfect effort it helps because uh, the divine knows poor fellow is trying uh, he may not be doing just exactly as he should do it uh, in fact there is no such one method of doing it as i said but he is trying so what i mean by that is whether you should concentrate exactly in the center of the chest or 2 inches above or below don't get into that that will distract the mind concentrate in the heart on the divine presence he'll pull us so that's what is meant by when we try to codify a system too much that he has revealed in the synthesis in the beginning then it loses the living spontaneity of man's approach to the divine all methods which are strictly codified do it this way and you know of course a lot of money gets involved in that that's not a way to approach the divine because we are not approaching a mathematician but somebody who is who loves us and who understands us just as we are so he is not a nothingness who has created a super computer uh, hyper pathways for people to calculate with a computer and thread he is capable of suddenly picking us in the middle of the market and pulling us cutting bypassing all the roads and lanes all this is possible so it has to be a very living approach the sadhak the zeal is towards a divine who is very much living and in the first part there is this uh, effort the second where we have to become receptive the receptivity the divine will start pouring in but that's where there is another kind of effort which means receiving the divine which means when doubts come we have to keep it away because the moment the divine begins to act uh, the hidden resistances will begin to come and in various ways they come 
So we'll talk about it when it comes. So we have to be receptive, keep away the doubts, know that this is the journey, this is what counts ultimately. It doesn't matter. I do not understand now, but I'll understand the divine working later. And there are various ways one tackles it. So this way one becomes more and more receptive in different parts of our nature. And then third is when that which is pouring in, in a receptive nature, receptivity grows the more we give to the divine. That begins to take possession. And that is the path, uh, part when sadhana begins to proceed um, at a great speed, uh, touching upon every little detail of life. Because now it is the divine who becomes the sadhak of the sadhana. So this is the, uh, the, the person, the aspirant. And third is the guru. And here again, Shubhindu says the guru is inside. This is something very interesting. See, each avatar is uh, the outer representation of the Jagat Guru who is unfolding now a new uh, story in the drama of life. So he is, uh, the Jagat Guru decides that, okay, now I have to start a new journey for man, create a new path. So the avatar comes and stands at the front, at the gateway. But it is he who is doing it. So, avatar, because he is identified with the Jagat Guru, meaning thereby, now for the next level, he becomes the representative master for a particular unfolding. So, meaning thereby, all Gurus, in essence, are the same. But each form and name becomes a certain angle of vision through which the uh, journey takes place. So, meaning thereby that Buddha, Krishna, Christ, Shurabindo, in a sense, if you go, they come from the same source. We can even say our psychic being comes from the same source. But it doesn't mean that if I start following Buddhism, I'll arrive at transformation. No, I won't. Because that's a different approach. If we want transformation, it is sure Bindu. So we have to understand the representative nature of the master. So very few can contact the master within directly in the very beginning. In some it happens right in the beginning. From the beginning, they... They know this, they have they are completely aware. But Shurvindu cautions, you should be very careful. Don't abandon the effort, keep vigil because otherwise one may either become inert or one may start mistaking every impulse uh, as if coming from the divine. So the discernment should be kept alive. And then otherwise the guru comes outside and he says initially there would be a partial conception of the guru. It doesn't matter. Now I am uh, not going into all the Easter Devta and all those things but partial conception meaning thereby somebody may say oh Shurabindu is great and I am uh, drawn towards him I admire his writing doesn't matter he is drawing we are not ready the person is not ready to say Shurabindu Nami Anando Jogi Rajo Namo Namo it's okay <laughs> one day he will say but let it happen spontaneously now I have seen this uh, there was a gentleman in uh, Bangalore who was uh, who used to say, like a typical, uh, I'll leave a blank, uh, you know, who intellectual, he said, Mother is okay, very nice, but I don't know why you people call her as uh, God. And uh, then he would say, only thing I like about Shurabindu is Savitri. He used to enjoy. He had that poetic uh, touch. That he used to enjoy. But rest is okay. You people have made a whole religion out of all this is not required. Savitri is very good poetry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we used to say one day you will know. So that day came when relics came. So relics came and we 
had arranged like everybody will hold in the hand who were working in the bhavan and take around. So he also held. When he held the relics, he started crying. So I was observing. <laughs> so after he uh, passed, we thought I just went, as, uh, took him aside, and in my little naughty way, I asked him, "Dada, kya holo? Why you were crying?" <laughs> so he said, "I don't know <laughs> why I was crying." <laughs> I said, "Now what do you have to say about mother?" <laughs> he said, "Yes, I understand. I am beginning to understand. After that." What a bhakti developed that on his deathbed he was telling people had taken him to hospital. Usual, unfortunately, we hospitals have become places where people leave their bodies. The most silliest thing to happen. But anyways, all these tubes here and there, and he was telling the telling the people around, take these out. Mother has come to take me. Take these out. Why are you putting all these machines inside me? I don't want them. And he left his body very beautifully. So there comes a time when the divine reveals himself. It doesn't matter in whatever way the divine accepts it and takes us forward. So this is the aspect he says. And then he says many people are not ready to directly connect with Mother and Shri Bindo. So he says if you need a human representative, the divine will even provide that. So you know he. <laughs> He makes all kinds of provisions, so there will be human beings who become like a channel. Not that they, you know, for one particular person it may work out like that. But Shurvindo cautions that he should not think that he is a guru. This is the worst kind of thing, you know. Guru Giri Shurvindo speaks about it. Why? Because uh, you know, guru has to unwittingly take the load of everybody's karma. So to start with. Apna burden is good enough, <laughs> but yes, people can become channels sometimes without knowing, which makes it very beautiful. And he says that the guru must know that he is a child leading other children. So this idea that now I am a guru in integral yoga, now I am going to guide people, give them a method. By this method, they can progress. This is completely uh, fake, but. There are people I know who come through many ways. So some of them, you know, um, get attached or attracted. Then suddenly, at some point, they realize that no, there is a greater truth. I'm missing it, and so they turn towards Mother and Shri Bindo. So that's why he has opened all kinds of paths and roads. And then he says that do not try to judge the Guru by outer miracles and outer methods, because uh, the Divine Master uses everything, every small experience, every big event, everything. To become a feeder for the journey, and the sign that we have really completely rooted ourselves in the divine as master is when we begin to see His hand in every event and circumstances, regardless of what it may seem to the outer eye or to the ego-driven consciousness or to the world, because uh, that is how the divine works. So it, He is not a guru who is only giving us an instruction. You follow it. And you will arrive. If you don't follow, you don't arrive. He is not even a guru who just you know in critical times carries us. He is a guru who walks with us throughout the journey. He never abandons. So this is the beauty of the divine as master. And then finally he says, it is time uh, because time basically means uh, actually it's very simple to understand. Uh, I mean, I can take a personal example. When I wanted to quit Air Force, so I, I mean, to come to Ashram, so I tried, thrice I tried, it didn't work out. Then it so happened that immediately, just after the minimum pension, I was wanting to go without pension, thinking it's much easier. But they, they didn't release me. But just after minimum pension, suddenly somebody 
became uh, you know at the top level who knew my urge and he said i'll let you uh, through you just put in the application now you see now how time is operating time was arranging all these things not that you know god was doing all this only for myself because time is a complex movement including all the coordinates but ultimately it worked out in such a beautiful way no one knew that something is happening when i put in the application people were saying now there is no possibility and i knew this time it's going to be shoot shot so this is how time operates it's a field of forces there are things we have started in the past there are things we have entered into in the present all this time has to work out it is not something arbitrary that today i say you know i want the divine and come there are energies which we have initiated and they have to arrive at their culmination fulfillment exhausted transmuted every kind of thing so the divine master uses all these things and that happens through the agency of time so time is the cosmic manager and though to the ego he looks like a bad manager <laughs> because this is bad job you know he doesn't give things immediately but uh, to the eye of divine wisdom he actually works out the divine will there is a word used for time in savitri my trusty time so he he will do it in his own way we can see it now at the larger level uh, when shurvindo spoke about the sun of india's destiny will rise and overflow india overflow asia and overflow the world that was 1909 even till 1947 when india got freedom uh, churchill he was saying india is not fit for freedom they'll die of famine they cannot govern themselves today <laughs> the ball has rolled full circle <laughs> and people are flustered because an indian origin person has become the prime minister of britain so much calumny all this is the way it operates time so time works out events time marks everything the day and i was sharing the other day the day they decided to uh, tie the rope around shurvindo's waist and to take him to alipur jail that day these sun of british empire started setting so these things happen in a scale at a in a way sometime back people were asking about pakistan mother has said they will become one mother said you don't have to do anything it will happen by itself and she said it will break into different parts it looked near impossible that was a time america was standing solidly with pakistan and china was their main ally today the situation has turned like that because the divine working is often assured nature it has its own way of working now one can see it more and more openly so this is how we have to allow time so the one quality that is needed shubhendu says on one side is patience 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 dhira tamatmastam yanupashanti dhira and on the other side intensity 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 you want it here and now but you are willing to wait so this combination is the best combination if one is too impatient if one is impatient it delays and if one is only intense and you know or if one is patient in the sense that one is okay it will happen when it will happen then again it will delay so you have to have intensity of aspiration and complete patience together so this is the whole gist of that chapter and shivinda puts it very beautifully that god himself is the guru you will find when knowledge comes to you this yoga 
you will see how every little circumstance within you and without you has been subtly planned and brought about by infinite wisdom to carry out the natural process of the yoga this is something one has to really experience to see it in the beginning when you read it you say really and over years decades you look back and say oh my god oh my god <laughs> all the time you were hand holding me carrying me at the right time things happen the way they have to happen so you develop a complete faith and reliance on the divine working how the internal and external movements are arranged and brought together to work on each other so as to work out the imperfection and work in the perfection so there are elements of nature which we think should be discarded you know people say oh why am i having this divine will say wait just hold on this is important i need to change this i am trying to throw it out whereas there is something else we think is great and the divine will say this is not of much use he'll discard it so this is how things happen an almighty love and wisdom are at work what is the nature of the divine and his leading almighty love and wisdom are at work for your uplifting therefore never be troubled by the time that is being taken even if it seems very long shubhna says even if it takes beyond a life or lives it is fixed now because the moment the soul has turned towards the divine it means samay aa gaya time has come now this may take depending on the difficulties complexities possibilities but for the delays there is a recompense that also shrivindu says very clearly not that we should delay okay there is a recompense <laughs> but uh, this is a process if it seems very long but when imperfections and obstructions arise be apramatt so this also one can see in the beginning one curses blames oneself complaints then one begins to see as part of the universal working of nature stands back then one begins to see slowly how the change is coming using every opportunity for the change so he says be apramatt dhira several times we have spoken about it tamatmastham yenu pashyanti dhira have the utsaha and leave god to do the rest time is necessary it's a tremendous work that is being done in you the alteration of your whole human nature into a divine nature you know when you give your cloth for alteration the tailor may simply tear away certain portions this is very poor i need to restitch it sometimes he may say this cloth is not good i'll get you a new cloth I remember once my pocket, one of the pockets of my kurta was burnt by while ironing. So, but it was a nice one. I asked somebody, "Can you do the rafu?" And the person says, "Yes," but the person didn't disclose what he is going to do. And the end result was a beautiful, uh, nice peacock uh, plumage was made over it. I said, "My God, this has become better than what it was." it is like this was missing this is added to the whole shan of the kurta so you see the divine works like that it is not like in a linear way he utilizes everything and turns every difficulty into an opportunity so he says the crowding of centuries of evolution in a few years you 
can't be grudging and centuries of evolution of through animal rakshasic asuric god knows what are the impressions and then he says something very interesting uh, my favorite part there are other paths that offer more immediate results or at any rate by offering you some definite kriya you can work at yourself give your ahankar the satisfaction of feeling that you are doing something so shrivinda will not be found on the road stall you know this yoga that yoga that shop this shop gives this definite kriya i am doing yoga here he makes you understand man you are not doing yoga i am doing yoga the only fellow who is doing yoga but you keep quiet let me do the yoga that is the whole art so you know it's like birds how do they fly <laughs> the effortlessly actually it's very beautiful when you look at it it's only time to time they need to flap the wings but they are supported by the air they have learnt it they have learnt it that you know we'll be supported we should just make this effort that i have to go there and one flap and you know they are supported this is the whole art of um, yoga so he says that there are some who give definite kriya giving us the satisfaction so many more pranayams today very puffed up today i have done 1000 times 1008 times i have written the mantra some people sit with mala god cares little for you know your counting your mathematics goes for a six so so much longer a time for the asana ego so many more repetitions of the japa so much done so much definite progress marked see i am shining in my mirror when i see there is a jyoti coming out <laughs> in all this self monitoring so hello creating a that's not how the divine operates so he infects nature with sometimes the hello which is making you feel like a charmed boy <laughs> like he did to socrates no so so he has his own ways like narad he gave him a monkey face suddenly but kept him near ensured that he will be near him so these are the ways of working of the lord but once you have chosen the path you must cleave to it in ashram in olden times all the older sadhaks they used to say only one thing stick on or stay stuck for one year don't do anything else don't even try to see what is sadhana just stay on do if nothing else go to ashram do pranam whatever don't ask just stay on and then slowly the color begins to take up so this is how one has to just cleave to the path don't leave the path those are human methods not the way that the infinite shakti works have a heart it is the divine mother who is taking up the entire human nature as built through centuries and millenniums compressing it into few years give us some time it's not through a fixed method because fixed method touch only one area even japa done as a purely that all the time i'll do japa then you'll get shut into a small little compartment where everything is beautiful but the rest of the nature remains what it is how does the infinite shakti works which moves silently sometimes imperceptibly to its goal we can't even see what is happening 
the times a beautiful line in savitri when nothing we can see but drift and bail a mighty guidance leads us still through all and then at the place even when we are asleep still there are parts in which we grow towards the light which moves silently sometimes imperceptibly to its goal advances here seems to pause there then mightily and triumphantly reveals the grandiose thing that it has done suddenly one day you see that how different parts have been tuned tweaked aligned woven into a concord which one had never imagined and then he says something why i am reading from here rather than synthesis because this is in one passage shobind beautifully summarizes the entire thing but very powerfully artificial paths people often ask say something na some kriya some pranayam some asana so sometimes you have to say it is all secret what is the asana so i have a term for this asana <laughs> okay bullet bullet asana <laughs> you turn topsy turvy because you turn to the divine you think you are great he puts you on the ground then suddenly he lifts you out you think i am in the mud but suddenly there are parts with divine stars they change so it is uh, a kind of strange alchemy that he works out through his contact with every part of our nature artificial paths are like canals hewn by the intelligence of man you travel easily safely surely but from one given place to another this is important to remember fixed kriyas when um, kriya yoga it had taken up very very much in um, us so somebody asked shurbindo he says yes these kind of things become easily popular in the us you know because you have to just say okay do this but to say no no you don't have to do anything divine mother will do it people can't believe how can that be something i have to do stay open now this open is another big word how to remain open what do i do to remain open <laughs> see that's why yoga is a psychological process then you have to explain see we are open to 100 forces we surrender to every person every force every energy so what really surrender means this path is the broad and trackless ocean by which you can travel widely to all parts of the world and are admitted to the freedom of the infinite so shobindo in this path you become aware of the entire himalayan range not just one mount everest or mount ketu entire thing all that you need are the ship the steering wheel the compass the motive power and a skillful captain good your ship is the brahma vidya this is the scripture this is what we must always you know the scripture the mantra the word in every time of distress to turn there faith is your steering wheel faith is your steering wheel self surrender your compass every time we don't know which way the boat is going ma you take charge <laughs> so that is self surrender that becomes the steering wheel but if we try to do it in our way then we are likely to make it more and more mess it up so do what we have to do but always remembering mother i don't know really what is the way this what is coming to me but i am handing over the comp, you know steering wheel to you the motive power is she 
who makes, directs and destroys the worlds at God's command. What a powerful thing. She is the Shakti who is moving us. And God himself is your captain. But he has his own way of working and his own time for everything. Watch his way and wait for his time. Understand also the importance of accepting the Shastra and submitting to the Guru and do not do like the Europeans who insist in the freedom of the individual intellect to follow its own fancies and preferences which it calls reasonings. Even before it is trained to discern or fit to reason, it is much the fashion nowadays. So he says, do not follow that fashion. Confuse yourself. Follow the sunlit path that flows from the soul. Once you have turned to the master, give yourself, obey him, listen to what he is saying and keep referring yourself more and more to him. So this was the, um, you know, beautiful chapter and with regard to four eights and then comes the next chapter is self-consecration. What we have to do is, we have to keep on consecrating every action to the divine. So, the crux of it is how to consecrate because if you just keep divine as a nebulous entity, very difficult to conceive. So, it's good to take the name or a form through which we conceive the divine. That means to mother. Now, here he is because he is writing in 1914. We shouldn't forget that the mother physically has not arrived. So, keep giving to the mother every action, consecrate to her. Now, consecration is literally a ritual. You know, it's ahuti. So, we do things based on what naturally moves us. Maybe a desire, movement of desire, maybe ego. Initially, we consecrate that. But, Sooner or later, sooner the better, we have to shift the very motive power of our life. That means life is no more to be lived for the satisfaction of the ego and the desired self. This is the central sh- shift. Uh, details will come later, but centrally it should be very clear that we are no more going to live a life. For, not like we have to take a pledge, nothing of that sort, but inside it should be clear. My life is meant for the divine, to be consecrated to the divine, to live for the divine. So naturally then this one has to do it in every detail. But fundamentally it should be very clear, the, the central faith that life is meant for the expansion of the ego and its empire, that should be dissolved. And that's where he says that we must remind ourselves, uh, that famous phrase of the Kenupanishad, Tadeva Brahman Tam Viddhi Nidam Yadidam Upasate. And then the entire range of life has to be consecrated. Not that some things we will consecrate when I sit for meditation, do puja, do the agarbati. He says, if you do that, then you will, uh, like many people do that, they will worship but leave their nature unchanged. So everything of nature has to be consecrated, has to be given. Even including uh, breathing, going to the washroom, uh, even leaving, Shubhindu speaks about it. Every gift that comes, you have to take it that coming from the divine. So you have no (coughs) obligations to anyone but the divine. Everything that goes from you goes to the divine in the person. So that you are not riddled with expectations. So every action has to be given to the divine. 
offered in the fire with the divine name with one aspiration that may it grow within me and in the world around beauty and light and love and truth and harmony or whatever comes naturally so this about consecration and then shubhendra speaks of the self surrender as the way of the gita so this consecration naturally leads to surrender so surrender literally means the two important things in surrender one is to accept the divine in everything because otherwise we can't surrender that means that there is the divine in every event circumstance happening whatever it may seem to us however opposite different there is the divine presence so we surrender to that presence second thing surrender means that i want to obey the divine impulsion so the process there is to start with nishkam karma so that cuts the knot of the desire i do this if it comes my way very okay if it doesn't come my way okay so this leads to an equality and a growth of oneness inside so nishkam karma is a very powerful practice remembering and offering is a very powerful practice and for that the whole orientation of life has to turn inward and upward instead of turning outward and downward so when we do it shurbindo says that there'll be progressive uh, three results will come one is we'll begin to slowly separate ourselves from our own nature so while there is a part which is caught in nature there is another part which separates that is the dwasuparna stage and it begins to see this so this one part that will begin to become the witness the sakshi before the sakshi we are just flowing with wherever nature is taking us now we begin to become the witness then we begin to see what are the things which are aligned and what is not aligned with the divine truth the discernment which will become awake and through that discernment we decide make choices earlier the choices were made on the basis of preferences and desires and ego now the choices are not made based on that the choices are made based on what will help me grow into the truth of the spirit so one is able to discern that this choice helps me to grow and he says that nothing is to be rejected or excluded every activity will become a means to grow into that uh, inner truth of course there are things to be excised which he says they have to be done ruthlessly whose names are greed and fear and lust and anger because they are of course the enemies of the soul they are not natural it is uh, one of the problems that we have begun to believe that's natural well if you want to call it it is natural in the sense everything belongs to nature but we have to transcend this into a higher nature so even if it was natural we have to start living into another nature so not the activity but the reactions have to be discarded a person brings a reaction of anger hatred that has to be discarded not the person because if you discard the person you will exchange the person for another person and then yet another person and after 10 persons you will say see people are bad <laughs> so this is where we have to discard these reactions fear has to be discarded so when fear goes away then you realize that all these things which happen disease death all the Uh, difficulties challenges of life fear has to be discarded wrath has to be discarded hatred jealousies they have to be discarded not the outer thing so that's what shubhendra reminds us that as we proceed with that we slowly the witness the sakshi changes into an anumanta 
So one who decides inside. No more the ego, but something more deeper, the secret soul within. So that's how the psychic being emerges. Because the psychic being is the one, when you give it importance, it starts coming. Okay, you are ready to listen to me. Otherwise the ego. Now in the beginning, it will be like, time to time, the ego will take over. That is the fight between Krishna and Kansa. So time to time, it will rush in in wait. Time to time, each part will have its own individuality. Shubhendra says, first thing you discover it, that each part of a nature has its own complex individuality. It's almost like an independent personality. And you have to understand it. It's not like an easy, uh, trenchant way, which like in Jnana Yoga, you only concentrate on the idea, suppress your heart, suppress your, uh, you know, will. It doesn't work like that. Or in Bhakti Yoga, you just love the divine, you don't care about what happens to the world. No. So, in all of them, we have to bring in the divine, basically. Until one becomes the divine center in the world. That is the ultimate. When ego is completely gone. But in the beginning, ego will predominate. Then there is a fight. There is something which will know this should not. But ego will rush in and cloud say, little more, little more. Some more time, some more time. Lord, grant me chastity, but not yet. So it will happen for some time. And then in the third stage, the ego will become very, very weak. And at the end, while passing away in a particular activity, let us say, it will say, did I give you a good fight? <laughs> and then he will say, because it gave a good fight, you grew in power and wisdom. Had it left prematurely, we would have remained weak. So this is how it goes. And finally, the whole process is complete. And then one becomes the Ish, Lord of nature. One's own nature. <laughs> that is the beginning so these are the three stages through which one passes and then come the other steps of the yoga but take home points call of the yoga scripture which is both within and outside within it will open and reveal to us many truths which you know were not written in the book that's how it happens all who have walked the path they have their own story their own lesson to say you see they will tell you their own how they connected you know in their own unique ways, which is beautiful. And you have the Guru. The Guru is inside. So as long as we believe Shirobindo has come and he has gone away, we are not ready. Wait till you discover Shirobindo and the mother are right there, both outside and inside. One has to wait and prepare oneself. And then the call comes. And when the call comes, one has to walk. It takes time. One should not grudge the time. Even an imperfect practice is not wasted because every little effort goes into the making and the key is to aspire to the divine and consecrate all actions to the divine by remembering and offering to the divine and since the divine divine remains rather nebulous so it's very good to say ma and offer to ma or shirbindo because it becomes something which is easy for the human mind to conceive and connect and for this yoga that is the path which has been open so when we do that and all activities and in, in the activities, not just all activities. And here he gives one example and that of course we will elaborate later. For instance, I am doing a work and I may inwardly love the divine and do it for the divine. But the work must be consecrated because otherwise I will continue to do the same old way of working. And miss out on the way the divine wants us to work even in that particular field. 
whether it be music or new things may come up in medicine, in engineering, in crafts, art, everything. So this is the broad outline of the yoga and we will continue. Let me just read this. Because this page is open right in front. So I take it. The divine working is not the working which the egoistic mind desires or approves. For it uses error in order to arrive at truth. This is something amazing. Our errors are his steps upon the way. He uses, mark the words, suffering in order to arrive at bliss, imperfection in order to arrive at perfection. The ego cannot see where it is being led. It revolts against the leading, loses confidence, loses courage. These failings would not matter, for the divine guide within is not offended by our revolt, not discouraged by our want of faith, or repelled by our weakness. Oh, this fellow, 10,000 times I have tried, is gone case. If the divine were to do that, we won't stand even for a moment. So he says, he is not discouraged. Sometimes people ask, they say, Sir, I don't have faith in the divine. I said, yes, but the divine has faith in you. So, he will still lead you. So, in whatever way we turn, not discouraged by our want of faith or repelled by our weakness, he has the entire love of the mother and the entire patience of the teacher. But by withdrawing our ascent from the guidance, we lose the consciousness, though not all the actuality, not in any case the eventuality of its benefit. When we open and turn, it makes the process smoother, swifter. When we turn away, ultimately it is bound to happen. But it will take a much longer and more difficult journey. And finally, as in the world, so in ourselves, we cannot see God because of His workings. And especially because He works in us through our nature and not by a succession of arbitrary miracles. Man demands miracles that he may have faith. Strangest part is actually in real life it's not true. I've seen it with people. There are people who hold on with faith even when things seem to have crashed in their life. Whereas people who have had miracles, they still continue to have doubt. This could have been natural, who knows, maybe. So that's how it is. He wishes to be dazzled in order that he may see. And this impatience, this ignorance may turn into a great danger and disaster if in our revolt against the divine leading, we call in another distorting force, more satisfying to our impulses and desires and ask it to guide us and give it the divine name. So he is cautioning us, miracles may happen, but it is not miracles and dazzling things through which the divine works. He works through our nature, so he has to work very patiently, picking up every strand, every thread, rectifying where it can be rectified, transforming things which are not yet ready, he will keep it there, wait for its moment, pick up now this one, you say, what happened? You say, yes, now time for this part to change. That's how the divine works. 
नमस्ते